Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Email the program at info at rudymaxa.com or follow us on Facebook at Rudy Max's World. And now, America's number one travel radio show, Rudy Max's World. Welcome aboard. On Tuesday, an American Airlines passenger was told he couldn't smoke an e-cigarette on board a flight from Phoenix to New York. And he was refused a beer. He didn't take the situation calmly. In fact, he threatened to kill the passengers and take the plane down. The plane had to divert to Wichita, and on Wednesday, the passenger was charged in a federal court with interfering with the performance of a flight crew. Turns out he had a criminal history that included criminal threats that causes evacuation or disruption, possession of narcotics, operating motor vehicle while impaired, and criminal sale of controlled substances. Well... I certainly hope your travels are better this week. Hi, I'm Rudy Maxa, a.k.a. The Savvy Traveler. Welcome to this weekend's edition of America's Favorite Radio Show. Well, radio travel show, anyway. Coming to you today from gray and rainy London. I know you're shocked. I arrived here this week via transatlantic crossing aboard the Queen Mary 2, which is the only ocean liner, not cruise ship, ocean liner, with regularly scheduled service between the U.S. and Europe. I'll tell you a bit more about that during the course of the show. Well, the news broke here in London late on Friday night that in August, a vacation charter jet narrowly dodged a missile while making a landing approach to Egypt's Sharm el-Sheikh airport. The plane with 189 passengers aboard had to take evasive action to avoid that missile that was said to come within 1,000 feet of the aircraft whose passengers were unaware of their near brush with death. Interesting revelation in light of what's going on in the Sharm el-Sheikh area right now. In a few minutes, we're going to talk with an air safety expert for the latest on last weekend's crash of that Russian passenger jet over Egypt's Sinai Peninsula. And then you're going to meet Simon Winchester, one of the world's best-selling authors of books on interesting places around the world, and an author who's got a great eye for detail and anecdotes that uh, delight readers, including me. His latest book is called Pacific. That relates to the Pacific Ocean, and it just came out, and he'll tell you things you may never have known about the ocean at about 18 after the hour. Then Robert and Mary Carey chat with Stephen Carvel. He's a professor from Cornell University's Hotel School about attempts by airports to make airports destinations in themselves, and that's good news for those of us who travel, and if you go to an airport, you know what we're talking about. And Japanese cuisine can puzzle Americans, but Matt Goulding simplifies that in a new book called Rice Noodle Fish. So if you enjoy Japanese fish or if you're planning a trip to Tokyo or Japan, this very lavishly illustrated, clearly laid out book will enrich your dining experience. It's the best book I've seen on Japanese cuisine for an American audience. I think you can trust a guy who in the course of a year ate 400 bowls of ramen for his food blog. Let's begin, as I like to do, with a look at this week's news and travel. We'll get to the mystery of the Russian aircraft disaster in a moment. But first comes news from Switzerland that this spring it's going to launch a driverless bus, a series of buses, a number of buses, in the canton of Valais for a two-year test. The nine-passenger minibuses will shuttle folks around the tourist sections of the town called Sion. The eventual goal is to use self-drive vehicles for the so-called last mile. In other words, getting people from the point where mass transit drops them off to their homes. United Airlines ailing CEO Oscar Munez has been in the hospital, or as they say here in England, in hospital, following a heart attack. The airline has been closed mouth about the seriousness of his condition until now. On Thursday, 
Mr. Munez, or his representatives anyway, sent a letter to United Employees promising he'd be back to work in the first quarter of the new year. Now, shortly after he took charge of United, uh, Mr. Munez admitted the airline wasn't delivering the best customer service. This week, United unveiled a new program he'd worked to put into place. United Employees are now empowered to hand out certificates to placate you if you're an unhappy passenger. The value of the certificates can be applied to future United flights. That value can go as high as $150. The amount is based on how high you are in the airline's elite ladder of flyers. You also uh, might get a, uh, a certificate if you are a generous passenger. For example, let's say you give up your seat so a couple can sit with their child or together. You might get it. Well, the news has come out in dribs and drabs this week following, uh, uh, following the crash uh, week, last weekend of that uh, Russian jet. Jerry Greer Chandler is a senior editor at AirlinesRating.com and an air safety expert and award-winning writer on subjects including airline maintenance. Nice to have you show- on the show, Jerry. Welcome. It's my honor, Rudy. How are you today? Fine, thank you. So from what you have heard as of today, when we're coming to you live uh, at about, no, about 10.10 on Saturday morning, um, East Coast time, uh, from what you've heard, are we dealing with an aircraft problem or a terrorism issue? Boy, that's the uh, question right now. People don't definitively know, but the story that you mentioned early on at the outset of the show, the London Daily Mail reports that a Thompson Airline 757 Right. approaching Sharm el-Sheikh back in uh, August the 23rd, he encountered a missile, which missed it by about 1,000 feet. The passengers on board didn't know about this. Uh, Thompson didn't tell them after they landed. But it's interesting that this revelation comes about the same time that the Brits and the Americans and now the Russians are, the Russians have just stopped flying into Sharm el-Sheikh. They, yes, they, after fly they, into, they, they fly into Sharm from some, I don't know, 20 different airports. And, yeah, uh, and on Wednesday, when the, when the British airlines uh, stopped flying in there, the Russians sort of poo-pooed it, like, oh, please. And then I think just yeah, yesterday, and, and, they, and, and they and stopped now, flying in as well. Which says to me that they now buy into the theory, and it's still a theory, of a bomb on board. But that, well, does, that does seem to be the trend, though, doesn't it, in thinking? It, it does. But, you know, I, I've been around air accidents Far too long, two of my relatives were killed in commercial airline crashes, which led me to write about it, uh, safety, that is, and security. Mm-hmm. I've been around far too long to um, uh, say definitively that this is a bomb on board is the cause of the, uh, the crash. You remember TWA Flight 800? Everybody was saying bomb because of the traumatic amputation of the front end of the airplane from the back end of the airplane. Turned out to be a center over wing fuel tank. We right. just don't know yet. What, what we're really kind of stripped of right now, we have all of these great digital flight data recorder uh, capabilities and cockpit voice recorder capabilities. And How long does it take for them cap- to get the information off that? Well, it, it depends upon who's doing the readout. It depends upon the condition of the recorders. The flight data recorder itself, which records the parameters, uh, could be read out relatively quickly. The CVR is going to take a while because of the condition. But, and here's the point. We may be back on this particular accident to what the cra- air crash investigators call tick- kicking 10, going out there and looking at the forensics, the engineering forensics that they find in the scene, going mm-hmm. and looking at the human forensic they find in the autopsies of the passengers to determine if there's any shrapnel embedded yeah. in the seats. The well, I have a feeling this won't be the last, Jerry. I have to, I have to say goodbye to you for the moment. But this, uh, excuse me for interrupting you, but I think we're going to be talking a little more down the road with you. Would you be up for that? Absolutely. 
By then, maybe right. we'll have a probable cause. Oh, I certainly hope we do sooner rather than later. Thank you very, very much, Jerry. Thank you, Rudy. Jerry, whose real name is Jerome. Jerome Greer Chandler is a senior editor with AirlineRatings.com, and uh, he's a journalist who contributes to a lot of uh, trade publications on airlines and so on, and we wanted to get his take on, on that. When we come back, Secrets of the Pacific Ocean with Simon Winchester. Uh, he's a Brit. He's a recipient of the Order of the British Empire, so uh, we'll pay him a little respect. He's written a brand-new book about the Pacific Ocean that in typical Simon Winchester fashion, filled with anecdotes, filled with insights... And great fun to read. Don't go away. To participate in the program and have some fun, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. We're coming right back. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to our newest sponsor, MyPillow.com. The Carries and I have been using a MyPillow pillow now for weeks, and we're loving them. They're American-made and guaranteed to provide the best sleep you've ever had. Rudy Max's world listeners receive a special buy one, get one free offer. So if you suffer from snoring, insomnia, neck pain, migraines, allergies, sleep apnea, TMJ, and more, get the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own by calling 800-775-1983 or go to MyPillow.com and enter the promo code Rudy. There's also a link at RudyMaxa.com under Sponsors. Are you looking for some inspiration to help you get delicious dinners on the table every night, especially during this busy holiday season? Well, consider emails.com. For just a few dollars a month, emails.com will deliver delicious recipes with a corresponding grocery list right to your inbox or a free phone app. Take the stress out of planning, shopping, and cooking, especially during this busy time of the year. Right now, you can get emails.com for free for two weeks. Go to emails.com to get your free trial or rudymaxa.com under sponsors. Okay, you've searched online for airline tickets, car rentals, hotels, or everyday items, and later, bam, ads start popping up for exactly what you've searched for. Coincidence? No. This is big business, and the reason we've teamed up with trackoff.com to protect your personal data, online activity, and privacy. One easy download stops the snoops from prying into our online life. Trackoff alerts us to who's tracking us and helps stop them cold. Try it free for seven days and enter promo code RUDY to save 15% at trackoff.com or rudymaxa.com under sponsors. Are you looking for a special holiday gift or do you enjoy eating the best of the best? WeBeMeat.com has been serving quality meats and seafood to the finest restaurants across the country for years. Now available online, this family-owned business offers the highest quality fresh meats and seafood delivered right to your door. Make someone's holiday extra special or treat yourself to the freshest meat and seafood available online. Visit WeBeMeat.com and use promo code RUDY to save 20%. That's WeBeMeat.com or RudyMaxa.com under sponsors. To join Rudy Max's world, call anytime, 800-387-8025. Follow the program on Facebook at Rudy Max's World. Now back to America's number one travel radio show. It's about 18 minutes after the hour, and this segment of Rudy Max's World is sponsored by our friends at Weeby Meat. Pleased to offer Weeby Meat to our show as they offer, well, the best meats, poultry, and fish you can find anywhere. Don't you deserve the best? Well, of course you do. Serve the best to family and friends. How about making the holidays this year special by giving a selection of We Be Meat, M-E-A-T, of course, dot com. We hyphen B hyphen meat dot com. 
With the highest quality fresh meats and seafood available online, delivered right to your door within 48 hours of, hours of ordering. You can't go wrong. We're talking all natural, no antibiotics, no hormones. USDA Prime, never frozen, grass-fed, free-range proteins. Can't think of anything else. All sourced from sustainable family-owned farms. Choose from fresh beef, pork, chicken, lamb, venison, bison, and an array of seafood. Nobody ever forgets the best meal they've ever had. So this holiday season, give your family, friends, and loved ones a gift from WeBeMeat.com and make the holidays extra special. Or treat yourself to the highest quality fresh meat available online. As a fan of the show, when you visit WeBeMeat and enter promo code RUDY, R-U-D-Y, you'll save an extra 20%. That's R-U-D-Y to save 20% on all orders at WeBeMeat.com, or you can look at RudyMaxa.com under sponsors. Going to take me a moment to introduce my next guest. Uh, I know his books well. I like. Uh, he's a friend of mine, and maybe you have been lucky enough to read one of Simon Winchester's best-selling books. Maybe the Professor and the Madman, about the murderer who contributed the most examples of English word usage for the first edition of the Oxford English Dictionary. Maybe you read his book, The Map to Change the World, the story of an English farmer who figured out, contrary to conventional wisdom of the time, that England was once covered with an ocean and wound up having his amazing discovery appropriated by the local geographical society and tossed in debtor's prison. He was, that is. Those are just two of the couple of dozen books Simon Winchester's written, and his newest just came out. It's titled Pacific, and it's got a heck of a subtitle. Silicon chips and surfboards, coral reefs and atom bombs, brutal dictators, fading empires, and the coming collision of the world's superpowers. That's a big canvas to cover. Simon Winchester, who is British, is a recipient of the Order of the British Empire that recognizes extraordinary contributions to the arts and sciences. He lives on a farm in the Berkshires where he pursues his interests in letterpress printing, beekeeping, astronomy, stamp collecting, model railways, and cider, uh, cider making. That's quite a collection, Simon, of hobbies. Well, we made, I think, 150 gallons of cider three weeks ago. So um, right, I'm we're not in arguing for a good, with eve- a good Christmas. Then I am not arguing with you at all about that. Um, this is a you, you approach this book, the Pacific Ocean, by uh, by looking at what you considered seminal events around in country in the sea as well as around countries or nations whose shores touch the Pacific between 1950 and last year. Um, how did you how did you come to decide that was a way to tell a story? Well, the first thing I wanted to do was to tell the story of the modern Pacific, in other words, leave people like, uh, you know, Balboa and Magellan and Captain Cook uh, uh, as a given. I mean, except, you know, we know that from school, so let's put them to one side. And let's look at the Pacific in modern times. And the date I started the story was the 1st of January 1950, because um, there's this convention of dating, which instead of using B.C. and A.D., the scientific community uses a convention called BP. You talk about things like the Wisconsin Ice Age has happened 10,000 years BP, but BP stands for before present. But then one has to wonder when present is, and present <laughs> yes. is defined as the 1st of January 1950, So, uh, and for a variety of, sort of technical reasons. So I decided to start the story in 1950, and then I collected a... I should think about two or three hundred events that occurred in the Pacific or in and around the Pacific from 1950 to 2014 and winnowed them down to the 10 that I thought a, seemed to indicate the biggest trends in the and Pacific. And among those the, 10, yeah, among the, those the, 10 were the testing in, in the Pacific and of, of atomic weapons, the history of Hawaii's surfing culture that spread around the world, um, Australia's maturing as a country, cataclysmic weather events, and more. It's, it's a pheno- each chapter is a phenomenal look, close and in-depth, of each of these events that have affected all of our li- almost all of them, all of our lives. Um, correct, correct me if, if I'm 
uh, wrong, Simon, but you sort of frame the Pacific as the ocean of today and the future, and the Atlantic as, as a place, an ocean whose importance has either solidified or just sort of failed. Why is that? Yes, I think faded. I didn't mean failed. Problem. I'm sorry, faded. No, not failed, but solidified. I mean, my basic thesis, I suppose, if I can dignify it as a thesis, is to say that the Mediterranean is uh, the inland sea of the classical world, and the Atlantic the inland sea of today's world, because it, crossing it and trading across it, has defined where we are today. I mean, it, after all, was the basis of the invention of the, quote, new world. And then, you know, humankind then moved westward across the new world, came to the shores of the Pacific, and on the very far side, the east, in other words, although as it happens, it's the west of the Pacific, were the eastern peoples, the great other races of, you know, the Chinese, the Japanese, and the Koreans, and the Indonesians, and then in the middle, all the Melanesians and Micronesians and so forth. And it struck me that these people and our interaction with them was going to define the way the planet's history unfolded from now on. So the Pacific is the inland sea of the world of tomorrow, and that's the, the underpinning thesis of the book. One chapter that, I mean, I loved all the chapters. One that particularly intrigued me was uh, about the exploration of the deep ocean, uh, and particularly the uh, exploration that discovered life forms thriving without, what, sunlight and chlorophyll and oxygen. Um, we, we thought it was some sort of barren wasteland of darkness down there. And the finding that there were thriving creatures and and these these incredible hot gushers called black smokers bring out water higher than 700 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, this really shocked the scientific world, didn't it? It, it shocked and amazed and delighted them. And it was uh, this uh, woman called Colleen Cavanaugh who first sort of in a, in a class at, um, in Harvard realized that these were creatures that existed thousands of feet down in the sea where it's bitter cold and dark and there's no possibility of sunlight, no photosynthesis, which is the basis of all life, or so we thought. And then she realized, no, it's not. There's this other magical substance, sulfur, which when you've got some heat and when you've got, it can draw the oxygen out of the water, out of the sea and create life from that. So it's nothing to do with photosynthesis, nothing to do with light, but nonetheless, life can be produced in a dark and cold environment. And this set shockwaves through the entire scientific community. And it's all thanks to this wonderful little creature, I can't call him a creature, a little submersible manned vehicle called the Alvin, which belongs to the U.S. Navy, but has been for the last, what, half century now, submersing itself in, in the sea and the deep ocean trenches and discovering all these wonderful things. So not only did they discover the source of life in the deep ocean, but they also discovered these great towering cathedrals of minerals. Beautiful, well, I can't really say beautiful if you think of a thing like an elephant's trunk, a hundred feet long, gushing black smoke out of the top. But the walls of this elephant's trunk are made of the sulfides of zinc and copper and all sorts of valuable metals. And so there's a potentially gigantic amount of, of mineral wealth on the sea. And of course, what are they going to do but to send big machines down there and start drilling for it, which I think is a shame because the ocean floor is pristine and wonderful, and yet it's going to be subjected to the, the demands of commerce like everywhere else. Yes, leave that to us. Leave that to us. We only have about a minute and a half left, Simon. So very briefly, until recently, the Pacific Islands were run by nations, um, you know, they were colonial outposts of mainly European countries, to some extent in the United States. What caused the retreat of all these, these masters of the universe from this region of the world? 
Well, I mean, speaking for myself, a form of risk and, and an OBE, as you kind of <laughs> we got tired of it and, and we overextended ourselves. And so one by one, starting in the 1970s, we all started to withdraw. All We've only got one tiny island, Pitcairn, left. We left Hong Kong. We left, you know, the Gilbert and Ellis Islands. The only colonial power still in the Pacific these days is, of course, the French. But they run... run Polynesia in a rather benign way. It's just a lot of rather nice people in beautiful islands drinking decent wine. So they haven't got a heavy imperial hand in the way that we, the British, the Germans, and the Americans, of course, had. And, uh, you know, I I think I told you in an email, I told the audience I came over here to London on the Queen Mary 2, and I was wondering where the original Queen Elizabeth was, and you solved it. It felt it caught a fire when it was sort of, it was out of service and being bought by, it was bought by a wealthy Chinese guy who dragged it to Hong Kong, and it caught a mysterious fire, and and part of it is still sunk, or all of it's still sunk in the... Yes, it is, and it it, it, it was a sabotage, without a doubt. I mean, fires mysteriously broke out on seven decks simultaneously. I mean, that's some some coincidence. So the wreck lies um, under the fairway of, of, of Hong Kong shipping. And one irony is that when we, the British, finally drew down the flag in 1997, when we left Hong Kong for good, then Prince Charles and the governor in Britannia, the royal yacht, sailing away from this rather melancholy ceremony, uh, passed over the wreck of this once um, great talisman of imperial glory, the old sunk Queen Elizabeth. So your voyage was on a ship with the same, essentially the same family of names, but a, a very different animal and no longer anything to do with Beautiful. empire. Simon Winchester's book is called Pacific. You've got to get it. It's a great read. Stick around. When we come back, we're going to talk to a man who knows about airports who want to be destinations. Max's World phone lines are open anytime, so call us at 800-387-8025. And so is the website at rudymaxa.com. Stay with us. We're coming right back after these messages. Savvy travelers know that there are river cruises, and then there are river cruises aboard the award-winning Emerald Waterways. You've heard Rudy, Mary, and me talking about Emerald for some time now. They offer excellent value and amenities not found with the competition. Their ships have onboard pools and cinemas, an innovative open-air system in all cabins on the Vista and Horizon decks, all gratuities, shore excursions, Wi-Fi, beer and wine, port charges. They're all included. Order your free brochure today at emeraldwaterways.com or rudymaxa.com under sponsors. When you book your next trip with Orbitz, you can get Orbitz rewards and then use your rewards instantly. Get it, use it. Now, to remember this, we wrote you a dramatic poem. Get it, use it. 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 Book your trip with Orbitz, get Orbitz rewards, and use them instantly. Only on Orbitz. Orbitz rewards. Instant vacation gratification. Learn more today by visiting Orbitz.com rewards. Phone lines are 
lines are always open at 800-387-8025. And stay connected with the program at RudyMaxa.com. Now, back to Rudy Maxa's World. Welcome back. It's 33 past the hour, and this is Rudy Maxa's World with Robert and Mary Carey. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. This portion of the program is sponsored by Orbits.com. Have you tried using Orbits.com for your travel needs? This is the site that Rudy, Robert, and I use frequently, and we like it for its value and convenience. We do like it. If you're planning a trip for leisure or business, travel for the upcoming holidays, or maybe a last-minute getaway, whatever it is, let Orbits.com handle it for you. From hotels and resorts to airline tickets, car rentals, vacation packages, and more, Orbits.com is your one-stop shop for online travel needs. And when you book using Orbits.com, you'll earn instant rewards to use instantly. They even offer an Orbits Rewards Visa card that earns you even more rewards with no annual fee and no foreign transaction fees. Check out Orbits.com today for your travel needs or RudyMaxa.com under sponsors and let them know you're a listener of the show. You know, over the past few months, Rudy, Mary, and I have made mention of how airports are getting into the hotel business, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, In the last year or so, the international airports in San Francisco, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Baltimore, Washington, Hartsfield, Jackson, down in Atlanta, even Canada International Airport here in our home city of New York, they've all announced intentions to build on-site airport hotels. Out in Colorado, as a matter of fact, the Westin Denver International, that's opening this month. It's all part of a shift by airport operators from primarily serving stranded passengers and rotating flight crews to make the airport a destination in and of itself. Stephen Carvel is a professor and associate dean for academic affairs at the Cornell University School of Hotel Management. He's a prominent voice when it comes to hotel valuations and investment decisions, so we invited him to join us today to discuss airports getting into the hotel business. Stephen, welcome to Rudy Max's World with Robert and Mary Carey. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, so as Robert just mentioned, a number of major U.S. Gateway City International Airports are getting into the hotel business. We'd like your thoughts on this. What do you think about it? Do you think it's good for travelers? Do you like seeing the airport authorities in this space here with hotel management? Uh, Two different questions, I guess. I think it's a great idea. Many people view these hotels as meeting places. Uh, The Chicago Hilton is a well-known meeting place for people who are arriving at at O'Hare Airport. And rather than trying to travel downtown when they uh, arrive at the hub from four different places, they uh, are able to collaborate quickly at that airport. So it's very efficient. From the standpoint, is it good? I guess it depends. I think it's really good because the airport authorities, since they have a vested that interest in the airport itself do a good job. There are uh, competitive issues that relate to taxes and tax-exempt status and the ability to uh, use uh, airport authority or state authority tax-free bonds to build with that put them at a competitive advantage versus others that don't have that. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Most airport properties, you know, let's be honest, you mentioned the Hilton. I've used it many times over the years. Most of them are not like that. They're fine, but clearly if the same level of upscale service that a downtown property is providing is now available to the airport without having to worry about you know the crazy overnight parking rates at city hotels or I would say a benefit to being able to access your hotel room to maybe an hour, an hour and a half before your flight. If they're all there, which we think is good, it conflicts with the model of most U.S. airports because they want to get you in and get you out fast. Now these new properties, they want you to linger. So, Stephen, are we seeing a shift in the operational philosophies at airport management? Well, I think they view the, uh, they're increasingly viewing it as, I'll call it like a trophy property. 
you know, so whether or not it's in Denver, uh, whether or not it's in Singapore, you know, wherever you are, if you're arriving at an airport and you're using that property, that name brand becomes ingrained in you if you've had a great time there and it's been a very positive part of your travel experience. So from that standpoint, from the brands that are able to operate a really good hotel on an airport, it really does a lot to enhance the brand's value. Okay. So and what about the FAA in terms of the development of these new airport properties? I would assume that they're somewhat involved. There must be security issues having hotels on airport property attached to terminals. You know, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a security expert, right. but I will say that uh, there's always the question uh, of whether or not uh, residents at the hotel would have at regular access to the airport dining facilities and drinking facilities. Yeah, and even the malls uh, that many of these airports exactly. have. That certainly has uh, to without be having a tra Without a travel certification for that day. Right. And I know that there are within uh, the TSA uh, uh, proposals to allow limited access for hotel guests. But as far as I know, that's still just a proposal. Well, uh, we're going to leave that there. You know, Stephen Carvel, I, I know we're heading towards winter, and it certainly is going to get cold up there at Cornell University, but Ithaca, New York, beautiful area. We hope you enjoy the upcoming holidays, and thanks for your time today. Stay thanks in, so stay much, and we, we love the cold as long as, yeah. uh, <laughs> as, long as we have each other. Thanks there so much. You Take care. Thank now. you. Thanks. Bye-bye. You know, Mary, we're going to have to have Stephen back at some point. Uh, informative, uh, certainly a very informative yeah, guest. Yeah, definitely interesting topic. So what do you think? Do, do you like the idea of the properties? Uh, I do. I think if I think back to how many times we've gotten up at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning to make an early morning flight and beat the traffic, um, yes, I would stay. But these are destinations site. that and they're I, looking for. I, you know, I understand. I don't know if I'd they stay more. They want you more. at the shopping they mall. They want you to shop, the restaurants. Spend money. I don't yeah. know about all that. I still um, think I like being downtown probably, in the city. I, I agree, but there's probably a market for this. There's yeah, a there's a definitely a market. It's yeah. better than the business hotels yeah. that are a at these airports now. Through. So. Yeah. Well, you know, if you have any thoughts on this as well, we'd love to hear from you. Just drop us an email at carries at rudymaxa.com. That's carries at rudymaxa.com. Since I can hear the bumper music right now and before our announcer Mike starts talking, I'm simply going to ask you to stay right where you are as we're back in three minutes. Join Rudy Max's world by calling 800-387-8025. Access the show anytime at RudyMaxa.com. We're coming right back. Okay, you've searched online for airline tickets, car rentals, hotels, or everyday items, and later, bam, ads start popping up for exactly what you've searched for. Coincidence? No. This is big business, and the reason we've teamed up with TrackOff.com to protect your personal data, online activity, and privacy. One easy download stops the snoops from prying into our online life. TrackOff alerts us to who's tracking us and help stop them cold. Try it free for seven days and enter promo code RUDY to save 15% at trackoff.com or rudymaxa.com under sponsors. Christmas and the holidays with Chord Buddy and Chord Buddy Jr. are perfect. Do you love music? Want to learn to play the guitar or know someone who does? Get the system voted number one. If you can press a button, you're on your way. Chord Buddy will literally have you or your family or friends playing music the very first day. As you improve, simply remove the chord making buttons like training wheels on a bicycle. It's so easy. And for the kids, there's the popular Chord Buddy Jr. To buy a Chord Buddy as a holiday gift or learn more, visit ChordBuddy.com or RudyMaxa.com under sponsors. Men, if you're like me, you appreciate the feeling of a clean, smooth shave from a quality blade. The sort of shave that cuts clean without the burn. So why are you messing around with generic razors that cost 32 bucks for an 8-pack? 
when you can shave with Harry's high-quality German-engineered blades for half the price. And if saving money and a clean shave isn't incentive enough, Harry's will give you their starter set, complete with a razor, three of their world-famous blades, and shaving cream for just 15 bucks. And shipping is always free. We'll also give you five bucks off your first order. Our way of saying thank you for trying us. How are we able to save you all this money and still give you the best shave you'll ever enjoy? By owning the factory that manufactures them. That's how. So go to harrys.com right now and enter code 4444 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 4444. Are you ready to take your diabetes management to the next level? Put the Contour Next meter to the test and challenge your meter. The Contour Next meter makes testing easy and highly accurate with close to lab level results. And Contour Next gives you a second chance, allowing you to reapply to the same strip when the first sample is not enough, saving you time and money. So take the challenge. Go to ContourNextChallenge.com, get a free meter, and enter to win free test strips. Contour Next, accuracy you can trust. America's small businesses are the backbone of our economy. They are the heart of Main Street. They speak to our spirit, our passion, our commitment to hard work. On my show, The Profit, I've invested millions of my own dollars into small businesses because I believe in the people. Join me and find out why America's most important asset isn't money in the bank. It's the people on the team. Marcus Lemonis is The Profit. All new episodes Tuesdays at 10 Eastern and Pacific on CNBC. participate in the program, call anytime, 800-387-8025, or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Once again, you're in Rudy Maxa's world. You've heard that uh, Lufthansa's flight attendants uh, started a one-week strike on Friday. Here's an interesting thing. They're going to go back to work tomorrow, Sunday, as I record live on Saturday, or uh, broadcast live on Saturday, because not a lot of business managers fly on Sunday, and they don't want to inconvenience vacationers. Uh, most domestic and inter-European flights have been canceled by Lufthansa. Almost all intercontinental service is flying. However, you should know that. This portion of the program is sponsored by emails.com. Have you tried this service yet? It's totally free to test out for two weeks, and it's just a few dollars a month if you continue. Uh, let's see. Let's see. This will save you lots of heavy lifting by planning your emails. This is, this is what emails does. You don't have to organize your grocery list. They'll do it for you. You don't have to search for recipes. You don't have to write down lists or wander grocery aisles wondering, for dinner, wondering what's for dinner. Instead, each week, you'll receive delicious new recipes with a matching grocery list right in your inbox or through a free app. Emails.com offers 50 plan options like classic, paleo, clean eating, gluten-free, low-carb, Mediterranean, kid-friendly, vegetarian, low-calorie, and more. So you can switch between plans as often as you like. So get emails today. And as a listener of the show, you'll get two weeks free when you sign up at emails.com. That's emails, M-E-A-L-S.com or look at rudymaxa.com under sponsors. Words such as kaiseki and izakaya, udon and soba, sashimi and nigiri, and those were largely unknown to Americans 40 or 50 years ago. I didn't eat sushi until I was in my 30s, but today you can find a sushi restaurant in a hilltown in West Virginia. Japanese cuisine may be one of the most precise in the world. What a Japanese friend of mine and a chef calls the cuisine of subtraction. It's a, it's a menu that reflects the Japanese approach to other arts, such as flower arrangement and paintings. Get rid of the superfluous, bore down to the simple, clean, and good ingredients, 
of what you're serving. Now, if Japanese food intrigues you, Matt Goulding has just produced the book You Need. It's called Rice Noodle Fish, and it's a narrative of the author's tour through seven regions in Japan that each boast their own kind of cuisine. It's handsomely illustrated with graphics and photos, I should add, by the way. This is not all prose. It's an entertaining and clear look at Japanese food that'll make you the most knowledgeable guy when you next slide into a booth at a Japanese restaurant, whether in your hometown or in Japan. And if you are visiting Japan, you have to have this book before you get there, because you'll find a lot of different kinds of restaurants, and they may be a bit confusing. You may know Matt Goulding's name. He's the co-author of the best-selling series of books titled Eat This, Not That. You've seen him everywhere. And he's co-founder of Roads and Kingdoms. It's a digital media company that concerns, concerns itself with food, travel, politics, and culture. And this book, Rice Noodle Fish is one of the first from the publishing imprint of Anthony Bourdain, who's working in conjunction with Harper Collins. Well, it was nice talking to you, Matt, but we don't have any time anymore left. So <laughs> we actually reach Matt Thanks on the street in New York, where okay. he's running around with a bunch of chefs from Kyoto and, and elsewhere to uh, do a book party to celebrate the publication of Ro- Rice Noodle Fish. Um, now, you live in Barcelona and New York, according to your bio. What, uh, what's your, when did your fascination with Japan start? I was actually out there for a honeymoon, and I was there with my wife for a few months, and we had just this life-changing experience at a simple little coffee bar in Tokyo, Kisaten, the old-school coffee places of Japan. And the guy spent 25 minutes pan-grinding, roasting, slow-dripping this beautiful cup of coffee. It cost $10. I took 10 seconds to drink, but <laughs> it was a line in the sand, basically. This is what this cuisine is about. He's a shokunin. He's a dedicated artisan. He basically spends, it's a class of people that spend their entire lives quietly pursuing perfection down to the last decimal point, essentially. Um, you know, people may have heard of Jiro, the famous sushi master. They've seen the documentary. Right. Um, sushi for Jiro, right. Exactly. Jiro uh, dreams of sushi. Jiro dreams of sushi. And exactly. Right. Exactly. Sorry. Well, the, the good news is for people traveling to Japan is the country is filled with shokunin. Right, the whole country is like that. They, they, they approach food, even street vendors approach it this way. Top to bottom, I mean, top to bottom. And that, that mentality extends beyond the food food world. But for our concerns, it was, it was just very apparent right away that this country has stories that need to be told or need to be told in a, in a more complete manner. And that was the, the entry point. Um, you know, and I knew that Tony Bourdain was uh, a fan of kind of what we did with Rose and Kingdoms, and so we mm-hmm. reached out to him and said, hey, you know, what do you think about this idea? And he's a dedicated Japanophile himself. And so uh, that's how it started. Well, I, you know, I know friends who I, I spend a lot of time in London because my granddaughters live there, so I'm over there every couple of months, and people say, oh, I just love the tea so- ceremonies in London. I said, you don't know a tea ceremony until you go to Japan, because that's a one-hour thing sitting on the floor as you are carefully presented and watched, you know, just the right temperature, hot water. I mean, everything is everything is, is so precise. And describe sort of a range of... You know, where the salarymen go along the little back streets in Tokyo at 10 at night when they get off work to eat and, and uh, you know, the street markets and then the, the, the izakaya. I mean, oh, just give, it's, and, yeah, absolutely. And, the, and what, what is kaisaki? I mean, that's, you know, kaisaki is a very, uh, kaiseki, excuse me, is a very special kind of food. Describe that. It's like a painting. It's more a painting on a plate. Sure. So these guys who are with us right now in New York are actually Kaiseki chefs in Kyoto. You know what? Hang on. Hang on just a second, Matt. we got to take a break. I want you to stick around for another uh, segment. Will you you do this one as soon as we get back? I would love to. I'll be here. We'll be right back. Hang on. Connect with America's number one travel radio show by calling 800-387-8025 or follow the program at RudyMaxa.com. We'll be right back.
To connect with the program, call 800-387-8025. That's 800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Welcome back to Rudy Maxa's World. And this portion of the program is sponsored by Emerald Waterways. You know, it's important to know that there are river cruises, and then there are river cruises aboard the award-winning Emerald Waterways river vessels. Travel along Europe's most picturesque rivers and panoramic landscapes, valleys, and villages. Visit the center of Europe's great cities like Vienna, Budapest, Amsterdam, Bucharest, and Cologne. Emerald Waterways just won the 2015 Cruise Critic Editor's Pick for Best Value. It's easy to see why. Their ships include spectacular features like onboard pools and cinemas, plus an innovative open-air system in all cabins on the Vista and Horizon decks. Shore excursions are included at no additional charge. You'll experience first-class service from an English-speaking crew, complimentary Wi-Fi, beer and wine, spacious accommodations, all gratuities, transfers, and port charges are also included. You cannot beat the value on one of the most stylish and innovative of river vessels. So whether it's Europe or Asia, go to emeraldwaterways.com, get the free brochure, and see for yourself how great these cruises are. That's emeraldwaterways.com for your free brochure, or you can visit rudymaxa.com and look under sponsors. I was just beginning a conversation with the author of a new book called Rice Noodle and Fish. His name is Matt Goulding, and we reach him on the streets in New York, actually, where he's running around with some Japanese chefs. Um, This is a fabulous book that is a survey of seven regions in Japan and and an examination both through words and great graphics and photos of the precision that Japanese uh, chefs bring to, bring to their uh, cooking. Matt, I was about to ask you about the range of foods in Japan, how different they are in different regions. Well, it's remarkable because, you know, of course, what we know is Japan's most famous export, which is sushi. Right. We know a little bit about tempura, and we know every, every, you know every day more we know stuff about the ramen culture. But the range is extraordinary, from the isakayas, which are basically taverns, uh, drink, you know, drinking places originally where you go to drink sake um, after work. Uh, but they also serve a r- remarkable range of, of really delicious, simple food, um, beautifully prepared to, you know, the most formal of all Japanese cuisine, which is kaiseki, which is the Kyoto-based cuisine, uh, which was formed around the tea ceremony. It's highly curated. It's a feast for the senses. It's as much about what you see and hear and smell along the process as it is what you eat. Um, but it's a remarkable expression of, of all of Japanese culture in one meal, um, architecture, dress, um, the aesthetics, the, you know, the scrolls, the flower arrangements. It all comes together. And that's, um, you know, those are the kinds of stories that we're trying to tell in this, in this book, stories that, you know, uh, that the average reader here in the Western world still know about Japanese cuisine. You know, we have, sort of, we have this abstract idea that it's this incredible cuisine, but we, you know, we want to provide some real form, some real structure to that idea. Very well put. In the book, Rice Noodle Fish is a great primer to read. Again, this is, I'm not talking homework here. This is delightfully entertaining, anecdotal, great art. This is a very accessible book. And if you're going to Japan or even eat Japanese food here in the United States, uh, it's, it's a must, must read. Um, just instruct us on the proper way to eat sushi, this being the raw <laughs> fish on top of a bed of rice. Of course. Now, you know, when you say sushi in Japan, about 90% of it is nigiri. Like you said, a piece of fish on top of rice, nothing more. And really, it's about the rice. Anybody can buy nice fish and cut it okay, but it's about properly preparing that rice. So you want to respect that rice. You don't drown it in soy sauce. If you're going to use soy sauce, you, what you do is you, you tilt the piece of sushi over, you dip the fish end into the soy lightly, and you eat it that way. Which, um, using your hands, by the way, perfectly acceptable. Using your hands. That's the thing. People get nervous because they don't have great chopstick skills or whatever, but the truth is, at very high-end sushi restaurants, Using your hands is totally acceptable. They'll provide a little finger towel, 
keeps it clean. It keeps you from, you know, nervously breaking apart a piece of nigiri that's been lovingly made. And, you know, everybody's going to be happy that way. And what about this American habit of putting uh, wasabi, mixing it in with uh, the soy sauce? Uh, Drives me nuts. Don't, don't do that if you, if you don't want to evoke the ire of a Japanese sushi master, because you will absolutely do it. <laughs> and now I, I, I've heard that, I mean, I have a friend named Daisuke Utagawa and who has several Japanese restaurants in Washington and is often quoted in the well-known Japanese chef. And he, he uh, suggests when you bring that sushi, when you bring that nigiri to your mouth, that you, you basically let the fish touch your tongue. So you sort of um, invert it as opposed to putting rice first on the tongue. That's right. That's right. So you have that, that first expression of the ocean. Um, you know, for the Japanese, it's really about umami, that sort of fifth taste taste group, you know, about that intense savory flavor. And that sushi as well, you know, conforms to that. And so, you know, people think about sushi as, as being uh, the best sushi is the freshest sushi. It's not about that. It's about timing. The you know, fish is actually properly aged in Japan, the same way that we age meat in the Western world, um, to, to tease out those, those, those amino acids and that, that umami flavor. And that's what, uh, that's what sushi culture every, you know, is about on a day-to-day basis in Japan. So these are the kinds of details that we want to really provide to the readers so they have a better understanding of what Japanese cuisine is about and get them over there eating as well as possible. And might I add, if you go to Tokyo, the world's most famous fish market is the Skiji Market there, and they keep saying they're going to close it and move it out of town, but it, while it's still open, go there. Go there around 5 in the morning. You're allowed to walk through it, stepping carefully. Um, but right. then around 6 in the morning, the sushi uh, shops or sushi restaurants right around it open. That's when you, when you have it. We've got 30 seconds left. What is this deal... You say in 2011 in your book, bread consumption surpassed rice consumption for the first time in Japanese Ima- history in Japan. Imagine What's with that? that. What's with imagine that? that? Well, listen, man, the, West, the Western influence has been creeping in. It started, you know, with uh, the recovery of World War II, where American surplus wheat was coming in, and now the Japanese have embraced it. Some people think it's the end of cuisine as they know, and other people <laughs> say, why not eat rice and bread? And bread. You know, and why not? There's room for it all. So... The book, uh, the book is called Rice Noodle Fish. It's written by uh, Matt Goulding. And also check out the website for uh, Roads and Kingdoms. We'll have a link on our Facebook page, but it's roadsandkingdoms.com. Matt, thank you for stopping by. Thanks so much for having me, Rudy. You've been listening to Rudy Max's World, America's number one travel radio show on the SSI Radio Network.